all the feels on this one. Because that's what the science says. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. Let's talk about what this looks like in real life. Facts do not have opinions. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Science is true whether or not you believe in it. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View, episode 489. We are taking a twist on New Year's resolutions this week because we want to focus on healthy habits and not the end result that you're constantly being sold right now. I cannot tell you how over the cycle I am now that I'm aware of it of like being sold all these sweet things and then being sold guilt about getting rid of holiday splurge and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's such a cycle that I'm super jazzed. We have a question from Beth that is going to really allow us to hone in on this this week, because I know it's something you've been doing a lot of research and focus on as well. Yeah, I for me, I think this encapsulates my personal journey in 2021, sort of outside of of all of the personal growth that has been driven by the pandemic. That has definitely uh Definitely led to some skill building on my part uh, in adaptation over the last couple years, already a couple years, my goodness. But I think for me, the the biggest revelation of the last year, year and a half has been the my deep dive into the science on weight and weight stigma, weight discrimination, and, you know, realizing that what the science actually says is that losing weight does not make you healthier. Healthy habits make you healthier independent of weight loss. And what is, I think, really damaging culturally right now is this focus on appearances and um, and how much of our behaviors are driven by guilt and negative self-talk and this sort of diet culture engagement that has us thinking really badly about ourselves, uh, then hopping on that roller coaster diet yo-yo that is also very damaging to our metabolisms while experiencing weight discrimination, which is harmful and the science shows is damaging to our health. And for me, what I've been really working on personally is working on dissociating my choices and my goals from weight, anything. Uh, I'm not even tracking my weight anymore. And I really loved this question because we've covered the science behind this. I think that's a really good place to start is we first kind of dipped our toes into the science in episode 421, and then we did an epic two-parter in episodes 471 and 472, where we really like dove deep into this research and really dissected it and looked at sort of each individual component of this broader topic, which is really the harm of diet culture 
and the harm of this um, external force that is driving us to pretty extreme behaviors and pretty extreme diets in the desire to lose weight, to conform to a societally imposed ideal body type, which is not actually what the science shows is the healthiest body type. Not that it's not the healthiest body type for everyone, because there is obviously a lot of bio-individuality here, but that what's happening is we are in this really negative thought spiral of, um, I need, I need to do this. I need to lose 10 more pounds, right? that type of negative thought spiral that is actually really undermining our ability to be healthy where the science really points to healthy choices, right? Being active, eating a plant forward, nutrivore diet, um, you know, managing stress, getting enough sleep, the things that we talk about on the show often, but we often, you know, our our own personal journeys are both through finding the paleo diet and weight loss through the paleo diet. And so I know that our early shows were, were very much talking about these things through the lens of these things help you achieve your weight loss goals or your fitness goals. And where our both of our journeys have gone in the last couple of years is I want to love myself the way I am. And I want to make these choices to be healthy. And however I look is however I look. I'm going to love however I look um, because I know that I'm nurturing myself through these really awesome choices that are about achieving and maintaining my best health for the rest of my life. And so Beth's question, I think just, I felt like it was such a great question to dive into as we're all considering New Year's resolutions because it really gets to the mindset around this topic rather than we've already done the the big science deep dive on why losing weight doesn't automatically make you healthier uh, and the harm of weight discrimination um, and all of the various tangential (laughs) topics related to that. And Beth's question, I think, is a wonderful opportunity to talk about the mindset piece, the habit-centered piece, the priorities and um, and the the nurturing self-care and body positivity piece of this that I think is so important because it's really the application of that science. And we can share, you know, where we are in our own personal journeys. I, I want to be upfront and say, it's not like I read this science and went, oh, I'm liberated from any thoughts ever of my physical appearance or my weight. What happened was I realized that those thoughts were really destructive for my own well-being, and I've been working on changing my own personal narrative when it comes to how I think about my appearances, how I think about my weight, and that is an ongoing process. So it's also, you know, I really want Beth to know as we dive deep into answering her question that... This is not a switch, I think, that most of us can just turn off and just go, aha, like, fantastic. I can just love myself exactly the way I am. It's it's a journey of, again, sort of self-discovery and um, self-love. And it is, it is like all, I think, health-related journeys. It has its twists and turns and ups and downs and speed bumps and... Um, it can be some days it's harder than others. Yeah. I would say it's a mental health journey, right? Like I think 
we're going to talk about this, but I think it's important before we kind of jump in to frame this really in the context of understanding that we're, we're going to need to take a little bit off of our physical selves and ask to put a little bit of focus on our mental health. And one of the things that we talk about on the show is that health is inside and out. And one of those things is mental health is part of your inside. It's not just your gut. It's not just, you know, digestion and, and these different kinds of things that we talk about or the inflammation that could potentially have on your body. We talk about the impact that stress has on your body. And thinking negatively about yourself causes those things. As Sarah mentioned, you know, we dove deep into the science on them. And all of the stuff that we're going to talk about has a lot more to do with mental health. Habit creation is is really about like how you're going to go about doing it um, and the choice that you're going to make and setting yourself up for success and not having unreasonable expectations. All of these things that we've talked before about during this New Year's time. Um, but if there's one thing that I could say, and I know Sarah and I have, have both talked about this a lot, is investing in your own mental health is something that you will never regret, right? Like, yeah. I, I can't express enough the, the growth that I felt and how, you know, that was difficult, but so beneficial. And this has been a journey for me for several years. And while I am in no way, and nor will I ever be, like, cured, I'm using quotation marks, right? Like my, my switch might flicker sometimes, but it's usually switched at this point. Um, but I do, I can have a, a better job of being able to identify those, um, triggers for me and being able to work through them and remind myself like, Oh, that's an external opinion that you're putting upon yourself. Move on, blah, blah, blah. Um, and with that, I do want to say just as this is not something that is going to happen overnight and as a journey that, might take therapy. It might take, you know, years of practice and mantras and um, meditation or whatever it is that you want to practice to get there. It's also something that is, um, as much as I know the answers to some of these things, like, for example, um, creating a habit of exercising, like, that is something that when I kind of fall off the boat, it has becomes something that's very difficult for me to get back on, even though I'm going to sit here and I could tell you the science and how important it is. So just because Sarah and I know a lot of this stuff, it doesn't mean that we're 100% perfect in executing all of it all the time either. And so just as you might listen to the show and you might obtain information, what we don't want you to do is then walk away and feel guilty that you have information that, you know, you shouldn't worry about your weight and you should exercise and you should sleep more. All those shoulds are things that you're putting judgment and shame on yourself. And so I just want to remind you, this is about mental health and positivity and just you know, loving yourself. And if you can just kind of remove all that negativity and just kind of go back to that mantra, um, I think it will help you get on the path of what we're going to hear best question. But I think there are so many avenues and facets that our culture has created this shame cycle for us because it then leads us to do the things that, you know, people want us to buy and blah, 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 blah. And so it's, it's hard to get yourself out of it, but you just got to kind of keep, I don't know, I'm like making a motion to row the boat. Like you're getting pulled in <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm rowing the boat backwards. Like, nope, I'm not getting sucked into that. Like <laughs> vortex that's pulling me down. Yeah. I think it's a, a cycle of, 
uh, sort of like dopamine reward, right? With hyperpalatable foods, with, um, right, we are hardwired to seek pleasure and that can come in a lot of forms. And in our modern lifestyle, that's not always the choice that is going to align with what our bodies need to be healthy, right? If we're consuming, right, ultra processed foods, for example, and not that we want to trigger that, that guilt aspect, we're talking about moving forward and letting, not letting perfection be the enemy of the good while focusing on making healthy choices. But I think it's where that, that sort of uh, dopamine seeking meets predatory marketing is what is causing a lot of this really sort of harmful snowball of badness effect when it comes to how diet culture impacts our choices and where we are. Uh, I like I like thinking of a boat instead of a wagon, Stacy, on the boat versus in the water. I feel like that's a way better analogy than on a wagon or off a wagon because in one in one of these scenarios, I'm happy and I'm dry, and the other <laughs> another one, I'm like swimming and trying to get back on that boat and yep. trying to not the, not let the boat drift away, and yep. that feels a lot more like the actual experience. Yeah, exactly. It's a good analogy. You know, sometimes the water's calm and you can just sit and relax, but most mm-hmm. of the time you got to be rowing. You you're falling out of the boat. It's difficult to get back in, um, and and we're all there. So Beth, you're not alone. Let's get to the question. So Beth wrote, hello to Stacy and Dr. Sarah. Thank you for all the work you both do to help keep us all in the know. I really was touched by your recent shows on weight issues. I'm not 100% there yet, but I have heard you. I would love a show that is a how-to on this topic. If our physical size is no longer a good marker, what should the goal be? How do we really find a way to not care about our weight? I just feel very overwhelmed and confused after so many years of using my weight as my goalpost, the one that keeps moving on me. I love the whole idea of body positivity, but how do we even start that process? What are your priorities when focusing on your health and not your weight? I think I just need to know what this looks like day to day. Beth. I love this question because it really represents so much of what we're all thinking and gets to the problem solving, which if you know me as at all, you know that I jump to problem solving before even processing a lot. So um, she's included both, which is like, how do we even start to process the idea that our weight isn't the goalpost and how do we genuinely not care about our weight? So I will start with the first thing that Sarah and I both did when we first genuinely started getting on this project. You throw your scale out. Mm -hmm. Step number one, because I can't even tell you probably for years after I started this journey, how, you know, the scale was something that I would like, who, who was I kidding when I tiptoed onto it? You know, like I didn't want Matt to hear that I was getting on the scale. Oh my gosh. I did that too. (laughs) Right? Oh my like, gosh. Yes. Like, like I know not... it's going to beep and I'm going to close the door and run the tap so no one can hear the scale beep. Oh my gosh. I did that too. Yep. So who are we kidding? Who are, you know what I mean? Like, who are we hiding from? Um, it's, it's only hurting ourselves and not really letting us get to that place where we really are letting go of our weight. If we're sneaking, getting on a scale that says a lot about our mental health and how we're processing our weight emotionally. Um, And the second thing, I want to share a party trick 
um, Sarah, before I let you jump into some of this, um, one of the things that I've been doing, because the holidays is a time where, like, how often do you get together with friends? And they're like, um, you know, especially after quarantine, like, you're like, people are like, oh, I know, I, you know, put on some weight or, you know, just like everybody feels compelled to talk about their weight and their bodies in particular. And in that negative, exactly. Like, this you know, is I'm the gonna... thing I failed at over, yes. over the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, I said to someone I love very much who, um, is in their mid sixties, who was talking about, you know, having put on some weight and said that they had moved up from the normal to the overweight range of the BMI. And this was a discussion, you know, with, there were like five or six people around. And I said, congratulations, you are now in the category to live the longest. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Everybody in so the group, much. everybody in the group, like their eyes popped open and it totally allowed us to kind of like, what? And I, you know, like, yeah, you know, we've been doing the, the science and research on the show and turns out the overweight category actually lives the longest. So I'm glad you're going to be around for a while. And then we kind of joked and we moved on and it wasn't like a, you know, it didn't become this like big, heavy subject where everybody was going to talk about their weight and blah, blah, blah. And I think if you can get to a place where you can joke and laugh and have ease and find these things to either tell yourself or to say around people who, you know, aren't respecting boundaries that you have as you start to work on resolving your weight, that's another issue, right? It's like how many people around you are going to talk about their weight and how does that make you feel about yours? Like all these kinds of things. I think the more that you can kind of find that place to identify and let go. And for me, that's humor. I'm just, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm someone who loves sardonic, you know, kind of humor. Um, the easier it is to kind of start to process that because you're not taking in all these external forces. I love that reframe so much. And for anyone listening who is like, I want to learn more about that, that is something that we covered in episode 471. And we went through all of that, all of that science behind exactly, you know, what, what, uh, how the, the current definition of normal weight is not actually supported by the, the science because that overweight BMI category is associated with the best health outcomes and longevity. And I love that just framing of, um, you know, wow, look at how healthy you look, right? Congratulations. You're, you know, you're, <laughs> you're doing this wonderful thing for yourself. You're going to live longer. You're going to, yep you know, have better health outcomes, especially as we age. Um, I, I love being able to frame something that the average person is embarrassed about, right? The average person is thinking about New Year's resolutions in terms of this is a problem that needs to be fixed. And just let's, let's reframe the entire like shared set of facts that we're operating on and go from, um, like, let's, like Beth said, the goalpost is moving. We're going to, we're going to bring that goalpost up, right? Oh, look, it's right in front of us, right? Because we're going to look at the science and go, here's what actually is the healthiest. And yes, it's not what society tells us we should look like, 
but I am an informed individual who is going to listen to the science rather than the magazine cover because I, I put more stock in what the science says than, you know, what my, my favorite actress or, or, you know, singer looks like on that magazine cover. And I, I love just like starting out this whole conversation. And especially when we're, we're practicing the conversation with other people. I feel like when we practice that conversation with other people, it's easier for it to be the conversation we have silently with ourselves. Cause I think that for me has been one of the biggest challenges is knowing the science and then feeling it right. Like I, I know that my priorities are great. I'm really healthy. You know, I'm doing a, a really good job right now of all of the things that we're going to, we're going to talk about. Um, and, and yet there's this like, very you know, this voice that goes back to, you know, childhood that is, you know, what I think of as my, my inner critic, uh, who can be a real jerk sometimes and finding that, that, it's a converse, internal conversation that matches what I would say to someone else, what I would, you know, say to a friend who was, you know, upset that they had gained a few pounds and is actually like looks amazing and is, is way healthier now. And I think that practicing those conversations with our friends is a great way to sort of take those first few steps into having that same level of compassion and positivity in our own brains. Yeah. And I think the more that you say it with other people, the easier it is to say with yourself, like you said. Um, and that might not make a lot of sense, but I think for me, as I went on this journey, I started realizing that, you know, I would feel fine. I would be doing my life and feeling good, like you said, all the things. And then I would be getting ready to see someone or getting ready to go do something or um, thinking about going to the pool in the summer or like different kind of things. And those were the moments in which I identified how I felt about myself as changing. And so that reframe started me to realize who do I think is actually going to hurt me or cause harm emotionally or you know what is it that I'm really afraid of and working through my own anxiety and that is really what I mean by like mental health and wellness because no one can make you feel something you have the power to control how you react to someone else. And that's where, you know, creating boundaries or identifying triggers are so important. So if the pool is a trigger for you and you don't feel comfortable getting in a bathing suit in front of everybody, I know it's not that time of year, but it seems like one I think we can all relate to. Um, then what can you do to kind of work on that? And I think that's what Beth is asking, right? Like, what are the things that I can do to start kind of changing how I am perceiving my body. And maybe that's even step two, right? Because maybe we haven't thrown out our skill yet and we're still just kind of obsessed with the number, not even the way we look or, you know, 
anything about that. And I think that's, it's, if I had to look at it as like a step-by-step process, right? Like just not even knowing your weight as step number one. Step number two is kind of starting to think about how you feel and then framing the world around you. And that's definitely mindset. So, um, for me, that has a lot to do with how I talk with others. And I know, Sarah, one of the things we both do is talk, is think about our body in terms of what it can do or what it mm-hmm. is doing for us, right? And this, this came about for me when I injured my back. And instead of thinking about all the things I couldn't do anymore or the loss of the community that I had or like all these sort of things, I started thinking instead about how grateful I was that I wasn't paralyzed or how grateful I was that I didn't need back surgery or how grateful I was that, you know, I could still... Um, you know, participate and and walk and and do things. And as I started to feel better, really starting to appreciate my body for what it could do, instead of kind of worst case scenario of, well, I wish this or compare myself to someone else, especially my, my former self, right? Like, yeah, I'm not who I was before I had kids. I'm not who I was before I had my back injury. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm never going to be those people. Um, but I can be grateful for what I have today. Yeah, I also have really tried to focus on functionality, right? Like being so grateful that my legs take me to beautiful places when I go hiking in the morning and not thinking about whether or not my, how will my legs look? It doesn't matter how my legs look. Do my legs do the job they're, they're, supposed to do? Yeah, they really do. They're fantastic. I get to go to great places thanks to my legs. And having that really basic like appreciation for body functionality has been really helpful for me in shifting mindset. The other thing as we sort of, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is talking about New Year's resolutions and how they pertain to health and how to you know, I'm not anti New Year's resolution, but I think it's so important as we're as we're crafting them to get away from this negative spiral that is in many ways driven by resolutions because resolutions are so tied to uh, guilt from overindulging over the holidays. They're so tied to um, you know, looking at ourselves in a negative light. And I think really, you know, crafting resolutions in such a way that they're very choice centered and habit centered, that is, I think a really positive way to go because it's not saying, right. We're not saying that it, it doesn't matter what we eat or, you know, what our, our lifestyle choices are. That is the thing that matters. And so we're, trying to dissociate goals related to diet and lifestyle from goals related to appearance so that we can focus on making good good choices and how that's going to improve our health over the long term right and take get get away from short-term goals completely because short-term goals are really meaningless if you're going to do something great for a short period of time and then stop doing it right so like the science on news resolutions is, is I think, really fascinating. It's something that 
has only in the last sort of decade or so started to catch up to, I think, what most of us have experienced every single year, um, at least those of us who make resolutions. Um, there was a, a really important study, we'll put, we'll put links in the show notes, that showed that one week into the new year, 77% of people had maintained their resolutions, which means 23% of people had given up by one week. Uh, at one month, 55% were still maintaining their resolutions. After three months, 43%. After six months, 40%. And at a two-year follow-up, only 19% had maintained those resolutions. So there's a, a really steep like drop-off in terms of like how long we maintain that. And a lot of that, I think, comes from the types of resolutions that the typical person makes. I have made these types of resolutions many times in the past. So there was a YouGov poll uh, that looked at, they do this every single year, where they look at what are the most popular resolutions. And for 2021, 50% of the people who responded to this poll uh, put fitness-related goals, exercising more, improving fitness. 48%, we're close to half, wanted to lose weight. 44% wanted to save money. And 39% were going to make some kind of diet changes, improving diet. And I think that the thing all of those, well, maybe not saving money, but the other the other three have in common is that there are things that through diet culture are tied to our appearances. And I think that the, again, it's sort of like the extreme, not habit-centered, but um, we, we tend to, right, the classic is, you know, joining a gym and I'm going to go five times a week. And again, that lasts until February, right? It's that, that's the reason why that's a classic example is because the way that, uh, and again, I've done this many, 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 many times in the past. Um, but the way many of us approach resolutions is with these appearance centered goals and this very, unrealistic expectation of ourselves of what we need to do to achieve those goals. And when we set ourselves up for, you know, we're only going to be able to maintain this for a short period of time, that doesn't do us any favors because we're not setting ourselves up for the things that are going to matter long term, right? Which is forming healthy habits around these behaviors and choices so that we can maintain them without necessarily, you know, we, we don't need to be perfect, right? The idea is to make better choices more of the time. And each one of those better choices that we make adds up and has a notable impact on our health. And you can look at the tons of different studies that we talk about on the show every single week that show, yeah, eating, right, two servings of root vegetables a day decreases all-cause mortality by, I think it's like 26% compared to eating two servings a month. I don't have that number in front of me, so I might be misremembering, but it's a really big effect. So to me, it's, it's those types of choices. Every single one that we make is adding to a health improvement that we can experience now, but also that long-term health. So I think there's a really compelling argument to, to dissociate our New Year's resolutions from goals and especially from appearance-related type uh, resolutions, right? And really just focusing on 
the health habits, um, which we've talked about on the show before. So we talked about habit formation in episode 385 and an updated, even deeper dive in episode 438. And so we've, we've really already talked about on the show in depth like how to set ourselves up to to form these habits. I want to dive into the aspect of Beth's question, which is what do we prioritize? Because that is the thing mindset-wise that has been so helpful for me is finding pride in the choice rather than the achievement. So I ate a healthy breakfast this morning and I I'm patting myself on the back. It was I'm so proud of myself for nourishing myself. I will did not go to bed early last night. So I'm going to go to bed early tonight. And that is a choice that I can feel proud about. I went for a lovely long hike this morning. I can feel proud about that choice. And I have so many more opportunities to feel good about myself when I take pride in the good choices. And I don't bother beating myself up about the bad stuff. It just, you know, yep, I didn't go to bed as early as I I could have last night. No, that was last night. Tonight's another night. I think about how wonderful it is every good choice I'm making. And that has really helped shift my mindset from, you know, whether or not I look the way I want to. I'm really trying to work on loving myself independent or uh, not, I guess I still want to love how I look. So it's not independent of appearances, but it's loving, loving who I am and every part of me now and and not thinking of myself in terms of the things I want to change. And then I can think about my choices as nurturing myself and looking after myself and taking care of myself and refocusing on the choice and the priorities has been really central to me for shifting towards a really positive mindset and also really positive self-talk. This episode is sponsored by One Farm. One Farm is dedicated to sustainably creating USDA certified organic, fair trade, plant based remedies made with ingredients sourced from the people who grow them, including the CBD I use and love. We've done a few deep dives on previous episodes about the benefits of CBD, including our recent episodes on pain management and anxiety. It is such a huge relief for both for me. Yep. CBD works by modulating our body's endocannabinoid system, which is an important signaling network within our bodies that regulates the interface between pain sensation, the emotional response, including maladaptations like depression and anxiety, and the physiological response like inflammation and the stress response. The science is pretty mind-blowing on how helpful it can be for so many people. And One Farm oversees every aspect of production, starting with growing industrial-grade hemp on their USDA organic farm in Colorado, extracting hemp oil safely with carbon dioxide, and using a certified lab that tests every batch with a third party. It ensures an incredibly pure product with just CBD. Many things can lurk in mainstream market CBD, and One Farm doesn't use ethanol or any harsh solvents like heptane, hexane, or acetone in their extraction process. I love knowing that One Farm tests their products to ensure no THC is included either. It helps me not just feel good about taking it for myself, but my pediatrician even recommended it for helping with kids. So I'm not a medical professional. I'm not going to give medical advice, but I will say it's been super helpful for our family personally. And because their hemp extract is so pure, it has no harsh or grassy hemp aftertaste and it never contains particulates. 
Their CBD oil comes unflavored for people like Sarah who enjoy raw lettuce (laughs) or for people with taste buds, lemon, peppermint, even cinnamon, or in soft gels and transdermal, which you can use on pets or the turmeric cream, which is great on sore spots. I'm super jazzed to try their turmeric latte too. After a recent episode on pain management, that stuff looks solid. I've had it. It is delicious. If you too want to give it a try, you can get 15% off with code WHOLEVIEW at onefarm.com slash thewholeview. Today's podcast is brought to you by Warby Parker, who is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. They sent us each five frames to try on, and now we don't want to give them back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to admit that I was skeptical at first. Even selecting which frames to try based on photos from the website seemed really challenging, but they arrived yesterday, and I loved every single pair. My family helped me choose my favorite, and I love that if you are unsure and don't have such opinionated teenagers at home, Warby Parker even has stylists to help you choose. I actually ended up booking a last-minute optometrist appointment for today just so I could get an updated prescription because I'm so obsessed with one of the pairs that Warby Parker sent me that I just can't wait to wear them. And I don't need prescription glasses, but I do wear them almost every day. They're like an accessory for me, and I own a about a dozen pairs of blue light glasses. <laughs> I'm learning that I'm like a hoarder of random things um, as we do these. And um, I loved the options that I chose with Warby Parker. If you're not familiar with the benefits of blue light blocking glasses, which is what I use them for, we talked about them on the show previously. Yep. On episode 302, we learned that using blue light blocking glasses protects our eyes from strain, but it is not likely to hinder our internal clock as long as you see the sunlight at some point during the day. This is especially important for people who look at a screen during the day because LED screens have more blue light and can interfere with melatonin, especially in the evening. Okay, so Sarah, I want to know which styles you got since you and I have a very different fashion sense. (laughs) I'm curious if we had overlap. Oh, I I probably not. I think square styles look best on me and medium to narrow fits my face the best. So I actually sorted on that on the Warby Parker website and ended up trying Clark in blue marble wood, Welty in whiskey tortoise, Claire in brushed ink, and both Oliver and Wilkie in eastern bluebird fade. And Wilkie's totally the one I'm going with. Yeah, I am quite the opposite. I love me a uh very wide cat eye style. So um, I got the Haley and Shay in bright colors like peacock green and russet red, of course. And then I also tried um, out of my comfort zone, uh, two different more square styles, Hallie and Weathers in periwinkle and lapis. But I got them in wide and extra wide thinking that they would give the appearance of that shape that I love. And I'm really glad that I tried so many because what I thought I'd like is what I not ended up loving. Um, So I can't really choose between the three that I like. So I'm going to be doing like a social post later and asking for help. Because I was like, oh, I love this one the most. And Matt was like, no, I love this one the most. And I don't dare ask my teenagers because I don't want to hear their opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Crowdsourcing it is. Yeah. Uh, At Warby Parker, glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses, which, you know, I'm updating mine for. You can try Warby Parker's free home try-on program, order five pairs of glasses, 
to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Don't let your FSA or HSA dollars go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash wholeview. Today's podcast is brought to you by ButcherBox, an easy way to create good habits in 2022. Subscribe. I have loved ButcherBox for years, and I love that we're able to offer such a great deal for you listeners. Seven pounds of meat added to your first box for free. I love the convenience of their humane and sustainably raised meat shipped for free, frozen for freshness. It helps save me time to do other things I want to prioritize in my life. Agreed. And no guilt about it because ButcherBox is a certified B Corp that does right by the people and the planet. They use eco-friendly, 100% recyclable boxes delivered right to your door when you need it. I love that we were able to adjust the delivery frequency both up and down as needed over the last couple of years and always with free shipping. I love that you can add on things seasonally too, and it's all super simple on their website with a variety of boxes to choose from, including the custom box, which is what we do. They source meat and seafood from partners with the highest standards for quality. That means higher levels of important nutrients. For example, the conjugated linoleic acid content of grass-fed beef is up to 500% higher than grain-fed, and it has more omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin A, vitamin E, B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, potassium, but most importantly, it tastes great. Almost all the meat and seafood our family eats comes from ButcherBox. Indeed. You can be assured the beef is grass-fed and finished, the chicken is free-range organic, and seafood is wild-caught. They're focused on quality, both for you, the animal, and the planet. For a limited time, ButcherBox is offering new members a great deal for the new year. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash wholeview and you'll receive the ultimate New Year's bundle in your first box. This deal includes ground beef, chicken thighs, and pork butt. Honestly, it's like all my family's favorite things. And (laughs) you're going to get more than seven pounds of meat added to your first box for free. Get this New Year's bundle before it's gone by going to butcherbox.com slash wholeview. So sorry, Matt. Matt's going to have to like pull up the script to read along to make sure he's got all the right edit points. Oh, okay. Well then, so we have, um, the notes that Moira sent you for, let me stop recording. the best way for me to talk about how I've prioritized health promoting habits is to go back to because for me this isn't just about New Year's right if we go back to my birthday when I um, had been using the testing strips to know my nutritional deficiencies and had seen my cortisol spike um, a spike is not the accurate word, uh, that my cortisol was consistently high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was something that I wanted to change. So 
that is not something that you can do where you can just like change something for a short amount of time and then go back to the way I was doing things before and expect that it would stay changed. That is something that I want to permanently modify lifestyle and diet wise about myself so that I reduced my cortisol overall, improving my health overall. That had absolutely nothing to do with my weight, but it made a huge difference in my health because then when I got my test results from, you know, my birthday, my follow-up birthday, my functional medicine doctor, after that, we can see that like my white blood cell count is going down because my stress is going down. We can see that like my cortisol is maintained a low level. We can see that I'm absorbing nutrients better. Um, And it brings in so many other things, my ability to, you know, just, it's endless, right? We've talked about on the show, I'm not going to get into that. But it all started with replacing a cup of coffee with breakfast, because we've talked about and Sarah mentioned the importance breakfast. And this is an example of I know what the science says is best, but I wasn't doing it. Because it didn't, (laughs) it wasn't part of my habits. And, you know, I tried to eat breakfast and I would maybe a couple of times a week partially, you know, conquer that mountain, but it was not consistent and it was not well done to where the scientific literature supported what they would call like the standards for all the science that we provided on on it being positive. And I knew all of that, right? It was after 8.30 or it wasn't sufficient like calorie wise because I was just having an hard boiled egg with my coffee, (laughs) you know, like it was not enough. So I think when we talk about how we prioritize and how we build in habits, like my my thing was if I had set out to say, I'm going to do all these things, you know, and we can run through what some of them are, it would have been overwhelming. I wouldn't have set myself up for success and I would have had too high expectations and I wouldn't have accomplished it. And I can tell you because I tried multiple times before doing this and saying, and this, and this, and this. And in this instance, I told myself, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to eat breakfast instead of having a cup of coffee. I don't, I want to get out of the habit of having a meal replacement and having this coffee that I know doesn't make me feel good, you know, gives me anxiety, makes me a little twitchy, like all these things that I knew. Um, And so I knew that I wanted to have breakfast and What I knew that that would accomplish is not just that it would help my cortisol to reduce my stress by not having coffee. It would also have these health improvements from having breakfast. And because the breakfast that I chose to have had fruits and vegetables in it, I would get the added benefits of prioritizing nutrients and filling my plate with more vegetables. So like all of these things would be ticked off by one single change that I made. And what then ended up happening is I was self-regulated. I got better sleep at night. So I was going to bed earlier. So I had more energy. I had a desire to start working out again. Like all of the things that we're talking about then kind of clicked into place because one change happened. But if I had told myself I need to do blah, 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 then it would not have worked for me. And so, you know, Sarah and I can sit here and tell you like how what we do and how we prioritize, but I think it's really about listening to your body and thinking, okay, what's one thing that I'm doing that if I made a change, 
would help me achieve some of these things that I logically know would support my health, but I am choosing not to. And I want to personally change that. Not society telling you that you should do blah, 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 blah. Not, you know, because you heard Sarah or I do it. But like, what is the thing that when you think about your life that's keeping you from achieving a lot of the things that we talk about often as having an impact on health? Well, and what the scientific evidence would say, I mean, for me, this was something I had already dialed in. So it, when I was looking to focus more on habits, like breakfast was my go-to, but what science would say is if when in doubt, if you're not sure, if, if you're not like, here's, here's my, my linchpin thing that I can do that is going to cascade into the rest of my day in a really positive way, it is prioritizing sleep. There's a ton of science that shows, right, sleep is really important for hormone regulation and immune health and tissue repair and um, mental health, right? Sleep is uh, physically and mentally restorative. But it also translates to making a lot of the other choices that we make throughout the day much more straightforward, right? So getting enough sleep also helps to regulate appetite. It also helps to suppress cravings. It also, uh, we tend to, there's even studies where they like give people who got enough sleep versus, you know, were forced to only have like five hours of sleep in a night. And they give them like a hundred bucks and send them into the grocery store and the people who didn't get enough sleep for that hundred bucks buy like twice as many calories. Like it, it not getting enough sleep really impacts every choice that we make throughout the day. It makes us, you know, foggier. It makes our moods worse, but it impacts cravings. It impacts appetite. We are more likely to gravitate towards vegetables and less likely to gravitate towards junk food, fast food. Um, we are more likely to feel motivated to be active. Um, sleeping is one of the best things we can do to regulate and um, and improve our resilience to stress. Like, I think that if if our listeners are thinking about this conversation and how that's going to be applied to New Year's resolutions for them, and they're not sure what's the one thing they want to focus on, I will always say sleep is probably your best bang for your buck in terms of like what is like what is that one thing that is going to make other healthy choices easier and I will say you know probably episode 397 that we did which was called practical tips for the sleep stress cycle where we really talked about how stress and sleep are connected and how to work on both of them together and just like simple things to to support better sleep that would be that would be my my go-to like episode to go listen to although of course we've we have talked about sleep approximately 6000 times on the show I think it was actually 7468 yeah. yes I was rounding down <laughs> um okay so Let's try to rapid fire. We're terrible at this. Uh, breakfast. I eat um, usually, so this morning, I, I was like, where's my words? I had a smoothie. I use this brand called Kenko, which, you know, it's not 
sponsored in any sort of way. Um, I personally use them because they're eco-friendly and they don't have any additives in them. It's just like a powdered, like a kind of like the vegetable powder Sarah used to have. And then I add bone broth um, powder to it, Paleo Valley's bone broth powder to it. Um, and I also usually grab like um, a banana or a piece of toast with like nut butter on it or a piece of toast with avocado and salmon on it. Like I like to have um, fiber in the morning and there is fiber in those smoothies, but um, that combo works well. If I'm in a pinch, I'll grab hard boiled eggs and, and that smoothie. So my go-to breakfast is I, every few weeks I make like six pounds of meat patties and just bake them in the oven and then put them in a container in the freezer. So my go-to breakfast is one of those meat patties. And I, I tend to change like what meat they're made out of every batch. So I'm just like cycling through different ones, but then it's like three weeks worth of, of meat patties usually because my youngest daughter also has this same breakfast. Um, so my go-to is one of those meat patties. It's like a four ounce meat patty, a big old helping of uh, wild fermented sauerkraut and a piece of fruit. Um, and that's my go-to. And then some mornings if I'm really hungry, I'll also add like a small bowl of like one degree sprouted um, granola on the side uh, with some cashew milk or something like that. Or um, if I have homemade waffles in the freezer, I might add a homemade waffle if I'm particularly hungry that morning. But often, you know, that meat patty, sauerkraut and and a piece of fruit is, an, is enough to satiate me until lunch. And that's my go-to. Um, sometimes we mix it up. Um, on weekends, we'll maybe make something like a veggie frittata, or uh, we'll have um, sausages, uh, like sausages from, from the store. I really like the Neiman Ranch um, sausages. Uh, and then I'll usually still have, I'll usually have lettuce on the side of that. I realize that my love of lettuce is not normal and uh, not relatable in any way, um, but it is my favorite vegetable and then usually fruit on the side there as well. So, but my go-to is some kind of good quality meat, some kind of vegetable and a piece of fruit. That's my go-to. Uh, yeah, I feel totally inadequate now, but um I, I do want to mention that I usually make uh, like a batch of oatmeal once a week that the kids can have. Um, and I did have it myself this morning. So I would say one of the things that you can do if, for example, you're still trying to create these habits is just add fruits and veggie veggies to like whatever you're currently doing. So like mm -hmm. if your kids eat cereal, start putting blueberries and bananas and switch the cereal to one that's like, you know, less processed less sugary so that you kind of bring down the palatability and you know start easing in some other foods as well you know like there's just lots of ways that you can start adding more nutrients and um, I think one of the ways that you can get to the next kind of bulletized item on our list is you know focusing on that Nutrivore approach and filling your plates with fruits and veggies and you heard Sarah just mention raw lettuce if that's if you're not up for raw lettuce for breakfast yet uh blueberries and bananas are okay too <laughs> yes yeah I mean like just how I feel about lettuce is probably how you feel about blueberries so just just translate that to I realize again loving lettuce as much as I do is not common 
and I appreciate that, but it really is like my favorite vegetable. I would rather eat lettuce than just about anything else. So just just to get the context, because I know it sounds weird, I'm I'm choosing a breakfast that I really love eating. So, um, and the way that I make it easy, right, is batch cooking those sausage patties. So they're just, you know, two minutes in the microwave away from being, you know, a delicious breakfast. So I think the, the number one, um, like, tip that I have for breakfast as a healthy habit to work on, given that this was something that I think we first covered um, breakfast in episode 381, and that was when I started working on breakfast as a habit. So it has not been that long, right? Like two years. Um, and the biggest thing for me is just having something pre-made that I can just reheat. Like that is like the other breakfasts I might do. I might make a big batch of soup on the weekend and have a bowl of soup every morning. Um, that's something I especially like to do in the winter. Um, but having something that is fast and not finicky that I can really just reheat and it's a balanced meal, that, that is the biggest, the biggest thing that makes breakfast easy. And then, um, and then it's something that, right. When that healthy breakfast is something I don't need to think about, then I'm much more likely to eat that healthy breakfast. If I didn't have the meat patties, uh, in my freezer already, I'd be much more likely to eat a breakfast that's not balanced and that is not going to actually keep me full until lunch. One of the other things that uh, we do towards getting in those extra nutrients is making dinner larger so that there's lots of leftovers. Because if there are leftovers from dinner, I know that they're going to be like that full balanced meal with protein and fiber and a lot of um, nutrients from fruits and vegetables. And so it makes me eating my lunch easier, but also like the kids will pack leftovers and I know not all kids will. My kids um, are selective about <laughs> which leftovers they'll take. They won't take soup, but that's fine. I'll have soup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every meal. <laughs> so I'll have those, but they'll take like, um, you know, we'll make extra chicken thighs or drumsticks. They love to pack those, um, different kinds of things like that, where if that's in there already, and then we always have um, a requirement for one vegetable in their lunch. And they really like right now, um, uh, carrots and pickles. So, and I, when I say one requirement, this does not apply to my 16 year old. I know we talked about this a little on the Q and A and I've been getting a lot of questions lately about how we, um, kind of enforce the rules and I'm using quotation marks, um, dietary on the children. Like, once teens are teens, like they're going to do what they're going to do, whether you, <laughs> whether you want them to or not. So um, this is more about building in those habits to my younger kids, like my 11 year old um, really appreciates having the guidelines and helps him to remember when he's packing his lunch. Oh, I need one more thing. Oh, I don't have a vegetable yet. Let me get you know, baby carrots. Um, so then it's just about dinner time having a meal plan like that's big for us if we don't plan it's it's a mess and frankly that's what's happened to us since thanksgiving so i gotta get <laughs> i gotta get back because we had so many leftovers and stuff you know it was like oh we don't need to worry about this but now we're 
I was about to say we're off the wagon, but we're we're rowing in the boat right now. There you go. <laughs> we're still in the boat, but we're rowing. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say in terms of uh, sort of nutrivore and filling our plates with veggies type of broad strokes, um, my we're all kind of creatures of habit, which I think has really helped because my kids will um, will they'll pack like a carrot like chopped up a stalk or two of celery chopped up, you know, one of those like mini cucumbers or the equivalent of sliced uh, English cucumber. Uh, my youngest loves raw mushrooms. My oldest loves raw cauliflower. So they'll typically pack three servings of vegetables in their lunch, a serving of fruit. And then um, they, we really love the siete tortillas. Um, so they might have like some Applegate, you know, organic lunch meat in a rolled up in a, in a siete tortilla for their, for their protein. Um, and that would be, they, that's just, it's not like I've ever told them they're not allowed to have anything else. They just love that lunch. That's what they're used to packing. And I always have those things on hand. And so they've just become really routinized with their lunch and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything while it's going well. Um, for me for lunch, that's when I try to get seafood into my diet so my most my like most common lunch is some kind of canned seafood canned oysters canned sardines canned salmon um usually with some vegetables maybe something like plantain chips um and then the my second most common lunch would be a bowl of soup um depend it just kind of depends on the weather like am i cold do i want soup today am i warm do i want something that feels more like salady today um, and then our dinners are typically at least two different vegetables, more often three, um, and some kind of quality meat. And one of those vegetables is always a root vegetable or like winter squash, start, something starchy. And I don't meal plan. Um, I tend to, I might think ahead, like, oh, we're, you know, we'll have tacos on Tuesday and I'll just make sure I have the ingredients. Um, so I guess that's kind of like a casual meal plan, but I tend to, because I get most of my meat from butcher box, I have a freezer in the garage. That's kind of like, I go to my grocery store and then I have a box of vegetables delivered once a week from misfit market. So I just go, Oh, I've got pork chops. Sounds good. We haven't had pork in a while. Uh, Oh, look, I've got sweet potatoes and Oh, look, I've got broccoli. Sounds great. It's, um, I tend to very like wing it dinners most of the time. And that works really well for me. Like I, I, again, this is a personality difference. If you're a person who stays on track better with meal planning, I recommend meal planning. If you're a person who really thrives in that, uh, I will just put some vegetables on the side of the plate and have some kind of, you know, meat or seafood on the plate. And it's, you know, I'll just have lots of things on hand. So I have lots of choice. Here's the thing that needs to be eaten today. Okay. I'll make that today. Um, that's kind of how, how, we roll and um and it you know it works really well to just sort of have have options on hand and then either pick the thing that is going to go bad tomorrow if we don't eat it today that's how often how how i know what i'm going to make for dinner tonight um and then you know every once in a while there's there's like one meal at some point in the week that's planned we know we're going to have a TV night. So that'll be the night that we have hamburgers or something like that. Right. So there's sometimes some forethought, but not a ton. It's, it's really casual and relaxed over here. Yeah, no, that doesn't work for us because my husband has ADHD and 
it is nightmare when he's making dinner and it's a hodgepodge because it's a hodgepodge. But dinner is where we get our like multitude variety of vegetables. So we don't just have like one or two as a side, which works for you because your girls are amazing. And um, I was making faces when you were saying they were putting celery and raw cauliflower and raw mushrooms in their lunch because I was like, nope, that doesn't work for me. But this, <laughs> you know, everybody is so different. So for me, when we have our dinners, we try to do a lot of like casserole type things or we'll make um, like stir fry or we'll do salad and what's great about that is you can just throw a bunch of stuff in the pot together if you kind of have like a base plan for a stir fry for example you can throw a lot of things that are in your fridge together and um, that works really well for us because it it means no one's going to say, oh I don't like this one side and just eat something else because it's like it's already in in a big wok uh, and so it's just there and then we'll have um like a starch on the side so if we didn't have um so for example if we make pot roast we're gonna have um like we like to do half mashed collie half mashed potatoes um i do okay with potatoes if they're peeled um but you could also do it with like carrots and rutabaga and sweet potato like you can make mash with so many things I love mash with my pot roast and with a stir fry we probably make a rice or um, like sweet potato noodles with it or different kinds of things like that so that's how we get in um, a lot of veggies and I am not above I said this uh, recently above a bagged salad and a rotisserie chicken like that's you know, kind of a go-to for us that we can, if, you know, things feel chaotic and we have a lot going on, a lot of appointments, like different kinds of things, that's a really quick dinner that we can have because we don't like eat fast food. And so that is a fast food for us and probably even faster um, to just grab those things from the store. So um, speaking of being busy, I think one of the other things that, you know, I am working on and I mentioned at the beginning is is this activity like an active lifestyle um as being something for for health focus and for adding it in and I'll be honest and say that this is the first thing that comes off my like plate so to Mm -hmm. speak when I'm feeling overwhelmed because I would rather prioritize my sleep And I would rather work on like breathing exercises with my stress than like yesterday was um, Monday for water aerobics. And when my alarm went off to start getting ready for it, I just felt overwhelmed. Like I was just like, if I do this now, that means I won't be able to do blah, blah, blah. And that felt really overwhelming for me. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And I know that if I'd gone, I would have felt better, but I also have just been really working on finding this balance with myself of honoring what my body is telling me, but also holding my body accountable sometimes. Like, yeah, if your body's saying no every time, um, (laughs) that means that it's time to go. And I think it's really important to kind of find that balance with yourself. Like I noticed that, you know, the vast majority of people are interested in fitness with setting goals. And so, you know, how do you create a habit? And, um, you know, some people like for me, I'll put my bathing suit on in the morning that I'm going to go to water aerobics. And 
that really sets me up for, well, I'm already in my bathing suit. Might as well go instead of what happened yesterday. <laughs> right? so, um, but also, you know, I put it on my calendar and I have a reminder and that way I can't book anything else during that time. And, you know, I just think it's really about um, what works for people because this is so individual. Like some people like to get up super early. Some, you know, like for me, it's a class. So I have to go at that certain time. And, you know, I used to work out like nights and weekends and, you know, it's so different for everybody. Yeah. I, um, I feel like right now I'm in a really good place in terms of active lifestyle. And my trick was getting a high energy dog. (laughs) That was, that was the thing. Um, so, uh, we talked about it on the show, but, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we brought home a Portuguese water dog puppy and she, I've, I've basically never seen her tired. I've seen her asleep, but I'm still not sure she's tired when she's asleep. Um, she can just go all day. And so I start every morning with an hour to hour and a half long hike with her in the mornings. So I'm, I'm hiking about 30 miles a week, about 10 hours. And then since, uh, since being fully vaccinated in the late spring, I've been back to my gym doing powerlifting three hours a week. And that has been working really well. I've got it down to like, I actually bring, I walk the dog, that's my warm up, And then we go straight to the gym. So, you know, Ahsoka sits in the, in the corner. She's, uh, obsessed with towels. So I bring a towel and then she just wants to nest in her towel and she's perfectly happy. And that has been, I mean, really, I'm probably more active now. I'm doing less lifting and less like sprinty type stuff. But let's face it, I never enjoyed the sprinty type stuff. So I'm quite happy to have the excuse to not do it. Um, I'm doing less of that than I was before the pandemic. But my overall activity is much higher. And I've just noticed, you know, I don't, you know, I can just power up a hill now and I don't get the like, lactic acid burn in my quads that I did when we first started. We've been doing this level of hiking probably for 15 months or so since, since Soka was kind of grown up enough that this was the level of activity that she, she needed. And it's um, highly motivating for me to um, start my day this way because then I have a lovely dog once she burns off that amount of energy and she's not quite so crazy. I mean, she's a lovely dog before too, but just, um, this is this is how we have just a lovely day, and I get to start every morning uh, walking in the woods, and it's just been, you know, it becomes then a resilience activity in addition to a movement activity, and it's been a really wonderful way to start the day. But I will tell you that there are many, many, most, probably most of the time, I, this would not be a habit that I would have been able to, to build without the dog to motivate me to do it. Um, so that was, that's my biggest trick right now for being really successful, living an active lifestyle has been, uh, to, to bring a, a wonderful dog into the family and, um, and that has been the thing that is, that gets me out and it gets me out rain or shine. We go, uh, no matter what the weather, if there's like chances of a tornado or, you know, trees falling, then we'll, we'll do a neighborhood walk. Um, but other than that, we're, we start every, every morning in the woods and it's, um, it's really lovely. So I recommend high energy dogs as a motivator. Uh, just do your research to know what you're getting into ahead of time. Cause there are lots of work. Yeah, no, that does not, I'm not signing up for that. 
I got <laughs> I got low energy dogs for a reason, but that is part of my problem. So <laughs> 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 they th- like you walk them two houses down. They're like, we're done. We're going back. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, that's a. I was. I mean, that's the lovely thing. Uh, and we've talked about dogs on the show before. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I always recommend when someone tells me that they're thinking about getting a dog to research breed temperaments and activity, you know, energy levels and um, try, you know, and then know that there's a wide spectrum of personality differences within every breed. But to start with, am I going to be able to keep up with this dog? And that is that is question number one. So while you have a very active dog, I have a very sleepy dog. And what... Uh, she lacks in the energy to take me outside. She gives in plenty, telling me to relax and to lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> she's, so, she's helping with the resilience she, and the stress management. Yes, she is helping with those things. She's also helping me get good sleep because she always wants to just like snuggle up and lay down and for me to do the same. So um, I will say... You know, I already mentioned early on that creating that habit with quitting coffee, I will confess that I have never been getting enough sleep, and that is definitely adding to my chronic stress and high cortisol. So it was, and still is something that I'm working on, but was so much easier when my circadian rhythm was reset with switching coffee because my circadian rhythm was very strong towards having a boost of energy later in the day. And um, that established for me when I worked full time and then did this kind of stuff at night. And I just set that habit for myself of like having a boost of energy later in the evening to do work. And so it really allowed me to reset and I required like a week of sleep and naps and stuff. Um, But now I do have like a thing on my phone that tells me when it's bedtime and, you know, apps shut down. And then um, the other habit that I create around sleeping that is really helpful for me and is also part of my self-care is I have a... like a bedtime routine for myself. And I think that this is important, um, not just for like newborns and toddlers, but I think we all need for good sleep hygiene, we all need sleep habits. And this is something that I, you know, was really drilled in, in foster training as well is to like create sleep habits, even in teens and, you know, to kind of create that um, notification to your body that sleep is coming. So um, I know Sarah does this with red light in the evenings. For me, I do this with like a skincare routine and I listen to the news of the day and that might stress you out. So maybe do that in the morning. But yeah, for me, I definitely don't listen to the news. <laughs> I know. For me, I don't know. I just, I, when I go into the bathroom, do my skincare routine, I ask the lady who gives me the news to give me the news. And um, if I say it, it'll set everybody's um, devices off. But then, you know, I have that amount of time to do my skincare routine, to brush my teeth and floss and do all of those kinds of things. And I don't feel like, oh, this is taking so long because I'm doing a a thing. Like I'm getting information that would be taking that time up anyway. So 
um, maybe if you're a, you know, busy, I'm like making a hand motion and you can't see it right now of like spinning. Like if you're a person who's just like <laughs> constantly like doing something all the time and you feel like you need to be multitasking and therefore you don't set aside this like time for yourself to get into a sleep habit and your phone ends up never being put down and you're like laying in bed and you know still doing whatever like maybe create a sleep habit for yourself the other thing that I have found very helpful that I just want to add to that is because I have a almost 15 year old who you know still does homework and it's normal for teenagers they have a naturally later shifted circadian rhythm I have completely given up on any idea of going to bed after my kids. And I am definitely asleep probably an hour before she is almost every single night. And that is what, you know, is working for her right now because she sleeps better if she goes to bed later. That works, what works for me right now. I'm the first person up in the morning in our house um, and out, I'm out the door, you know, quite early to go for that lovely hike. And so, you know, I, I think part of sometimes our barriers to making sleep a priority is, um, you know, feeling like we need to go to bed later than our teenagers. That's not how our circadian rhythms align. Um, or, um, you know, feeling like, you know, we have to watch all of the TV shows to be able to, you know, be plugged into the zeitgeist. You know, we, we don't watch a lot of television and, um, and usually we only watch television on like Fridays and Saturdays when we can sleep in a little bit the next morning, but I still probably only have a 30 minute variability in terms of what time I, I go to bed every single night. So, um, so some of the things that have been really helpful for me over the years in terms of maintaining sleep as a priority, it helps that I'm super sensitive. And if I if I don't sleep well, or if I don't go to bed early enough, uh, I get sick. I'm really, you know, like my body forces me into making sleep a priority. Um, but, uh, but the other things is, you know, having, having my own bedtime and I joke that I'm, you know, 80 years old, I have to be in bed by nine. Um, and that's, that's, you know, how I make it socially acceptable is turn it into a joke. But, you know, every, my, Everyone who knows me knows that I go to bed really early and that if you text me after about eight o'clock at night, I'm not going to see it. My phone's on do not disturb at that point um, because I'm starting my bedtime routine. Yes, at 8 p.m. And I realize that sounds really early to a lot of people. I'm not saying everyone needs to have an 8 p.m. bedtime, but think about what time makes sense in your life so that you can be getting that seven to nine hour sleep that most adults need on a consistent basis because the consistency of bedtime is so helpful for sleep quality because there's so many hormones that control our energy levels during the day and then how well we sleep at night. And when those are really well regulated and we regulate them by sleeping on a consistent schedule and managing stress, it actually makes our bodies like more tired at the right time. We fall asleep more easily. We sleep more deeply. Um, it's a really, really important aspect of this. And so letting go of, you know, what, uh, having a, a really, you know, critical look at, is that really something we need to do in the evenings? Do we really need to be up, you know, later than our teenagers? I think that's a really good place to start is with that self-reflection. 
I think you have to also be honest with yourself about how much time you're actually sleeping. Like I heard seven to nine and I was like, okay, I'm in bed seven hours. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. However long you're in bed at like add, no, subtract an hour, right? Yeah. So you have to account for the time it takes you to fall asleep and you're um, like those brief arousals, which are totally normal while you're sleeping where you kind of like wake up and glance at the clock and go, oh, good, it's only 3 a.m. I can sleep for three more hours, uh, which is what I do. Um, but uh, but yeah, pretty much, you know, if you're in bed for seven hours, think that you're only probably getting six hours of sleep. And the shorter amount of time that you're in bed, the more likely you are to overestimate how much sleep you're getting. So the less sleep you're actually getting, the more likely you don't realize how bad it is. So um, yeah, seven to nine hours of sleep really means eight to 10 hours in bed. So yes, good, such a good need for clarification. Thanks for pointing yes, that out. Yes. Okay, so I mentioned um, Penny sleeps with us. And for me, I have to take into account her snoring, <laughs> how that takes me a bit to fall asleep. Um, but the good thing about her loudness and why we doubled down and got a second loud dog is because of that comfort and the calm that they have. They're, you know, such, I think it's zoomies. I mean, especially the puppy, Gus is, is a puppy, um, but they're just their energy is very calming, right? Like they're just very chill by nature. And that has been huge for the entire family in reducing stress. And I know we've talked about this on the show before in terms of how pets uh, scientifically help to, you know, improve our health. But for me, one of the things that it does is really manage my stress. And um, we joke that we get trapped under animals. This also happens with a cat. So, you know, whether you have a dog or cat, right? Like if they are sleeping on me, like I can't move, like you just, you, yeah. you know, you can't move a sleeping yeah, animal. Can't. It's physically impossible. Right. So it yeah. literally slows me down and helps me manage my stress because it helps me evaluate, like, do I really need to blah, blah, blah. Or can I take this moment and just pet this animal and just relax. And for me, as someone who has a difficult time not being productive all the time, it is really necessary. Like it, it is truly helping my health that I have dogs for sure. Yeah, I the the other thing I want to point out as a resource. So we talked about a lot of this in uh, episode 476, where we talked about uh, social isolation and and how that's not, depending on how that's structured, how that's not necessarily harmful, even though human connection is really important for health. Um, but the other piece that I wanted to bring up was the uh, nutrient deficiencies caused by stress, which we talked about in episode 446. So one of the other things that I do for stress management is supplement with vitamin C and magnesium. And those things have been really, really helpful. Um, so I get to start every day in the woods. Um, I try to do some mindfulness at least, you know, a few times a week. But the I think the thing that has been the most helpful for me in terms of stress management um, is actually making sure that my adrenal glands have the nutritional resources they need to react appropriately 
to signals from the HPA axis. Same, and such an, a simple thing to do, and it really is that's part of my bedtime routine is to uh, both take a magnesium supplement, and then I mentioned noticing a difference in how my body was absorbing it and the testing that I was doing with the magnesium lotion. So that's one of the things I like rubbing my feet with magnesium lotion before bed. If you need to be part of my bedtime routine, now you've played, you've, you've come along with me on this, journey, <laughs> on this journey. And that leads into also, you know, practicing some self-care, like that bedtime routine that we each have, that morning exercise that you have, Sarah, the, you know, when I make time, as I will, now that I'm shaming myself, which is not a good feeling to have, um, about going to water aerobics. Um, I also practice self-care in terms of like when my stress gets high, taking um, a couple days away um, or planning in things that you need to do. And I want to point us to episode 447 because that show we really talked in detail about what self-care really is. It's not just about going to get a massage or a manicure, but fulfilling your beyond your basic needs, right? Like uh, it's, I think that episode was called Stacy's Stages and Intervention for Sarah. Yes. Because yeah. if you're telling yourself that when you go to the grocery store by yourself, um, that that's your self-care, that's not self-care. And so I, I really just want to, if you haven't heard that show already, or if you need a reminder, um, one of the best things that you could do for yourself in 2022 is create habits around taking care of yourself and not having guilt around that taking time away from somebody else because uh, as we all know if you're not taking care of yourself you can't take care of others if you're not around or not feeling well um, you can't be there for others so by prioritizing yourself you're actually helping other people and it's really important to your health to make that time because of all the other things that we've referenced they start a tumbling down um, if you're not prioritizing your own wellness. And, you know, that includes therapy. Like I would, yeah. I would argue that, uh, you know, getting yourself therapy, even if you're feeling well, like therapy is not just something to do for people who quote unquote, like have problems. Like we all have things that we need to work through and having a good therapist is a great way to do that. It's also a great way to kind of quiet down some of that inner critic and to create the positive self-talk. So if we if we go back to Beth's original question around, you know, how do you practically do this? How do you let go of weight being a goal? Like one of the best things that you can do is to work on this with a therapist or a life coach or something like that where you say this is my goal. I want I want to be healthy and I I want to separate that from weight. Can you help me with that? And I think, you know, if you go back to some of our episodes where we talk about some of those things, we could help be that coach for you. Unfortunately, we're not a best friend in your actual life that you can call up or text and say, I'm feeling this today. And I encourage you to find someone to have in your life that can be that for you, who, you know, when you're feeling those feels, right, that you can reach out to and say, Ugh, you know what I mean? Like, it's getting yeah. to me today um, because, you know, Sarah and I are that for each other. I have other people in my life that I'm, I'm both lean on and that I am that person for, right? Like, we, we need to have that interaction both 
of ourselves and, you know, for ourselves. I agree completely. And I, I love that we've been able to take this a discussion full circle back to that positive self-talk and really like starting it. We start there, but we also like it, it follows us in all of the different aspects that we've talked about today because it is part of how we change that mindset to focus on choices and behaviors and you know nourishing ourselves looking after ourselves supporting our own health through our choices because we're worth it and not because we're trying to change something that we don't like about ourselves but because these are the things that keep us healthy and that are going to be important for lifelong health and we are deserving of all of those wonderful things, right? We're deserving of health. We're deserving of living a long, healthy life. And we're, the way we get there is through these healthy choices. We are deserving of these healthy choices and nourishing ourselves through these healthy choices. And I think bringing this whole conversation back to Beth, you're, you're wonderful and you are worth it. And that just that, that piece of the peace that comes with, I love myself and I am worth these wonderful choices that I'm making. These wonderful choices are what are going to support my health. That, that mindset shift is uh, the first step, but it's also every step. I have one final thought before we wrap up this topic, which is if you continue to struggle with the idea that um, health is not associated with weight and especially if you have this feeling like if you could just get back to this way that you were once before or this this memory that you have of yourself of being ideal physical weight I want you to ask yourself if you were really nourishing and taking care of your body, and if you were really feeling your best at that time. Because for most people, when you were your physically, I'm going to say best in quotation marks, right? Like whatever that is for you, whether you were, you know, the thinnest, whether you were the leanest, whether you were, um, you know, your skin looked great or like whatever it was. Um, For most people, you associate that looking that way with everything else in life being great. And if you truly think about it, I guarantee you that life was not perfect, that there were things going on in your life that did not happen because you were thin. We've talked about, you know, weight discrimination and knowing that, you know, there is privilege and positivity that come with thinness, but I'm talking more about like how you actually felt and how your life was going and how you were treating yourself and how you were nourishing yourself and what your health was really like. Was it all perfect and great because of your weight? And I'm I'm 
saying this with the the trust of assuming that most people are not going to say, yes, everything was perfect. My health was perfect. My life was perfect. If I could just be thin again, life would be perfect because that's what we tell ourselves and it's not really the case. So I think part of learning to let go of this ideal weight that you have for yourself, if I can just be X, then Y, is really logically working through. But wait, I've been X before, and it wasn't Y. So I need to find ABC. I need I need to go a different direction, because I know that that's not logically true. I love that so much because I would say, you know, one of the things we started this conversation off with is that this is a journey and I definitely still find myself falling into that old thought pattern. And it is exactly that. It is exactly, well, it'd be so much easier to be body positive if I could just look the way I did in whatever year. And, um, and you're right. I mean, I, um, I was not as healthy then as I am now. I, I, whatever good things were going on in my life were not related to my weight and whatever bad things were going on in my life were not related to my weight. Uh, It had nothing to do with all of the other things that were going on in my life because that had so much to do with life. And I think that's just a wonderful, you know, last, um, last thing to just ponder on as we look at the new year and have, you know, whatever our aspirations and hopes and dreams are for 2022 and think about resolutions, how we might make them and how we might separate resolutions from diet culture and appearance centric goals, because that is ultimately the thing that is going to be the the next really important step on all of our health journeys Stacey, I know we're going to talk about this more on our Patreon uh, in a non-rated G fashion. (laughs) I know I have some thoughts that are definitely going to be uh, maybe no kiddos in the room for that Patreon bonus episode. Uh, So I hope you'll all come over and join us at patreon.com slash the whole view where you can get bonus audio behind the scenes every single week and lots of other cool things like live Q and A's over there. And I just want to say happy new year to all of our listeners. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next year. Oh, you got me on that one. (laughs) We love providing the whole view podcast for you as a free resource. You can support the show by using the links and codes we share in our podcast. And we love to read your reviews and chats wherever you listen. And don't forget to share our podcast with your friends and family. Speaking of chat, did you know that you can get exclusive behind the scenes content on Patreon? When you support us with your Patreon membership, you get access to live Q&As and weekly bonus audio. But they're not for kids' ears because our bonus content is explicit. You can also stay in touch with us via our social media channels. I'm at Real Everything Blog. And I'm at The Paleo Mom. And we've got more great resources on our websites and in our newsletters.
We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday.